0: works for me. Okay, and I got you. Uh, got you all visuals.
1: Yeah. See, mm-hmm. nice.
0: Well, d- let's do this. Yeah. I yeah. Hey, in. everybody. Welcome to Arlnot's podcast number twenty-four. Twenty-four. Right? Twenty-four. Wow, we're coming up on the new year. Happy New Year, everyone! Happy holidays. Merry Christmas.
1: What year is it? Two thousand twenty-six. Yeah. It feels like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is
0: our first podcast in a while. I mean, I guess not in the longest time ever.
1: Uh, I I checked. Our last one was September. We have made a podcast as a reaction to the Matrix Resurrections first trailer.
0: Yes. Oh, and and speaking of Matrix
1: Resurrections, that's what we're doing today. That's today's agenda is to talk about Matrix's. We're gonna go in hard
0: on that. We're gonna take a look at some of our dump predictions from last time. Mm
1: -hmm. We're going in pure too. We we are bursting at the seams. We haven't spoken to each other about it. Every (laughs) conversation we've had has been strained, like noticeably strained, as we as every word is a possible portal into just dumping about this movie. So we've yeah, we we are both chomping at the bit, so to speak. We've exercised max discipline. Just to, Yeah, we, to create which is this. probably
0: the first time we've ever done this. Usually, mm-hmm. we say let's keep our takes to ourselves until we get on the mic for our podcast. Yeah, and then we just get on the phone and we're both <laughs> blah 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 blah. It's completely. They're like, let's away. just
1: do it. Are we doing this? Oh man, like, <laughs> like we we're yes, like we, we were talking about. We're like we're <laughs> we're like we're not gonna drink tonight. We're like let's just have one or two. And then we're like, dude, we are <laughs> wrecked. <laughs> we just fuck Shot. it. Let's just go for hangovers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we are definitely going and clean. Yeah, I guess um we could start with uh just a a giant thank you for everybody who attended the the awesome event. Yeah, that we had for the premiere of episode seven. Also, there's been a an a outpouring of support for the episode, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's doing it, it's kicking ass coming on board for um, that,
1: and and the positive feedback is is attic is nuts. Like people are discovering different new things about it every day, coming back and sharing their thoughts on it. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun to read the, 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 the updates. Um, yeah, we've
0: read every comment. I don't, and it's kind of amazing.
1: Yeah. I don't know where it stands logically between likes and dislikes. Cause as you all know, now that YouTube has completely <laughs> disabled the dislike metric, yeah. there is a dislike button, but you're just screaming into the wind. Now it doesn't matter. Like nobody cares about your dislike. Apparently, and we can't even see it. I just I, I went into our like back end just to see if maybe it still it still tracked it. It does track yeah. it, but you have to do the math. It just tells you the percentage. It doesn't give yeah. you a snapshot at a glance. Here's how many apparently people dislike there is some
0: hack video. to see the dislikes, but you need uh, to use third party software, yeah. which is totally absurd. So we're I, not going to be doing that today.
1: I, it bums me out too because a it's just weak that branded content creators and sponsors need that disabled to protect their their feelings when they (laughs) when they make a bad move and people the only way they have to express that is to just bomb it with dislikes you know it's yeah right video game companies i think were the big target of that because when they release a trailer that's either tone deaf or clearly riddled with some sort of uh duplicious act (laughs) of money money grabbing you know money grabbing shit Um, people bomb it with dislikes and they're like, we don't like that. It's bad optics. So get rid of it. And we used to be really proud of our overall like to dislike ratios across the whole channel. So now that it doesn't, it means nothing. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like most changes
0: that have been made on YouTube, they don't necessarily benefit us.
1: They don't benefit. Yeah. Lower level creators. It's it's just for people with already money in their pockets. Already money. But anyway, Already yeah, money. the uh, the I I know what the percentage of, is, and it's great. People seem to love it, which is, you know, we were hoping that's how it would be, but we never know for sure when we're making something. And even though we enjoy it doesn't necessarily mean it's good or other people will like it. So yeah, when we make these
0: episodes, it, we're really taking, we're really giving you like a raw take of what we are trying to create we don't do focus groups or we don't we don't share a lot of our work with other people before it goes out um to seek adjustments or changes Mm -hmm. Uh, we do like to we do share things at some level but usually it's when something is fairly polished uh we feel really strongly about what the vision is for these things and so that's what we're trying to really put out in the end and uh We felt that very strongly about this episode. I think that it was like a really good reflection of what we were trying to do. We played it pretty close.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I got a little insecure about it. Like sometimes it's too close where you're still (laughs) making something and you know that it's coming along and it feels good and that it's real. But you're still sort of petitioning for support from people that have no way of knowing whether or not you're just a snake oil salesman. You know, that's it happens so much (laughs) in the world of of crowdfunding and, and fan support with yep. like people creating video games. They're like, we swear it's the best. And then they just run off with up the bags and, you know, <laughs> never deliver anything. So I was happy that we were able to deliver. It um, sounds like a little bit of an emergency going on outside. Um, yeah. They've got some banger tunes on that, on that record. If you're a patron, that album is available to you now. If you're a patron, geez, sorry. This is <laughs> just let these guys. They're going to go right by my window. Your house is on fire. Yeah, somebody's on fire. Come on, I set the roof on fire. Um, Yeah, if you're a patron, you could also go back and watch the um, the release party stream. It's available on Vimeo. The link is is in the Patreon post that originally invited everyone to the live event. It's the same link. Um, it's like a four-hour thing that uh, involves us doing a uh, director's commentary over the original episodes while a countdown is happening. We sort of mistimed it so there was like a weird half hour of space <laughs> that we thought we would be using up but so we just kind of yeah. put it around and watched other YouTube that, videos. I love that little window of time. <laughs> yeah. That was
0: just a cool hangout with everybody.
1: Yeah, we just did some random, we shared with everyone the um, the Italian Shits video <laughs> that somebody redubbed. <laughs> You know, yeah, so what, what
0: are the what are the people in the chat was like? What the fuck is this? <laughs> they they, they came in. I don't think they they didn't know the original, and they certainly didn't know the Italian oh, overdubbed version, right. which was amazing.
1: It's it is it's not hard to imagine, but sometimes I just forget that not everybody that is a fan of some of our work isn't even aware of the other side of things we've done, like Best Max. Sure, like I think because Best Max is so familiar to people that are like vocal on our social media channels like discord and everything like that that it's just that those videos only have like sixteen thousand views you know there's not the, the best max yeah. is deep lore that's not something that just everybody that watches our videos is going to know about so we shared some best max and people are like uh <laughs> what are you the, guys watching of
0: people that are there with us though on that on that that level Mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. One of the things that I loved so, so much is that as soon as you get to Ray on the island, the chat lit up with people who were basically like, oh my God, this is like a, an orchestral version of The Last Laser Master. Yeah. You know, they they tuned into that just immediately and that made me so happy. Yeah. Um, And then just to 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 put it into perspective, I haven't seen one comment on YouTube out of thousands of comments that have mentioned that. And I think yeah. it's probably just flying over most people's heads because they're not as familiar, you know, with some of those intricacies, you know. Yeah. And of course we created that orchestral version just for the island, just to mess it up over a PA system <laughs> and make it sound kind of kind of grudge. And, and just and, yeah. like warped and, and messy. You know, so we put in like this weird amount of work to get to make that one thing that is a reflection of Dirk Lasermaster's
1: you his know, faltering park, his, his weird th- Scooby Doo <laughs> villain uh, environs.
0: <laughs> when people are engaging with us on that level, it's really, really yeah. cool. Um, and we're we've been so boosted by the reaction to this that we're planning on jumping right into production for episode eight.
1: Yeah, and someone asked, um, uh, "I was we don't
0: st- want to miss a beat on this."
1: Yeah, I was streaming on Twitch the other day, and somebody asked if we had all, like everything boarded out, and that's I was like, "Yeah, we've got outlines for the whole series, so we know." We got to, you know, we have to go in and like fill in the gaps, but the overall story is we've been saying it, but now it has more weight to it now that you've seen seven. But yes, we have the whole story planned out. Um, Yes. We just have to
0: 100%. There's no question about the story. Uh, It's really just the the production elements. Uh, There's a lot of scenes to be written, but we know where we're going. We know what the characters are doing, what the relationships are going to be between them. Um, You know, there are always surprises along the way, but I dare say that we have a better handle on where we're going with our story than they may have with theirs. And that's not a bad thing to say. Yeah, I I don't think they did. I don't think they did know. And that's fine.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, we have the power of hindsight. (laughs) Right. You know, we have the full series available, like in one snapshot. Uh, That's one reason why we were always sort of pushing to wait for the full series to come out before we even started this. A lot of people are like, well, this is three years. Like, what?" well, it's not really three years. It didn't take us three years to make it. We just wanted to wait for all the movies to come out because you never know what you're gonna to have to work with, and it's I feel like it's just gonna be a better project overall if we know from the beginning where everything goes. Yep. Um I because I would not have even gotten anything right. If we had started making banana time before The Rise of Skywalker came out, I don't I don't know how we would have
0: well, yeah, I think we had actually talked about it. I mean, we had been d- developing the story to some level. Yeah. But there were so many unanswered questions. I mean, of course, you look back at some of the things that we've done. We did that trailer for D twenty three. Mm
1: hmm. <laughs> and yeah. we had,
0: we had Creepio talking about a clone of Ray, and like, that's a weird thing because yeah. it's like a trailer clone for an Rey. episode that never is going to happen. Right. It's really bizarre. <laughs> it was
1: it's like a. Very, a
0: uh... We kind of meant it as like a joke you know but in some ways it it comes off as a real trailer and i I don't know
1: yeah i forgot about that one that was yeah you should go back and watch
0: that it's kind of weird yeah (laughs) considering where we're heading with the story there might be some similarities (laughs) there (laughs) there might be a couple there 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 might be some things that still
1: translate but that that just seamlessly fit you know yeah maybe maybe there will be a clone ray who knows clone ray (laughs) um yeah, so anyway, yeah, this episode 7s kicking ass, feels good. Um a lot of the, you know, as always, we're always tuned in to both the positive and negative comments, and the negative comments have for the most part have been pretty well worded. I think a lot of people, the majority of people that didn't seem to like the episode were very kind about it. They're like, "Sorry guys, I I love what you do. I just can't watch the this footage anymore." Like this just they just are so adamant in their hate of the sequels that they can't even watch a yeah. parody of it so that's fair enough i i get it you know i get d- not jiving with something so much that you don't even want to watch the <laughs> even an altered yeah, even, version even of it.
0: making fun of it is not going to patch up any yeah. damage that's been
1: done <laughs> yeah their hearts are too they're like don't not again i can't be hurt like yeah. this again um and some people just were just so just too turned off by kylo's voice that was the other side of the, of the criticism I saw. So it was like people, it fell between people that just didn't like the movies and they can't watch it again. And people that were like, Oh, that was a weird choice for Kylo's voice, which is very much the minority. I think for the most part, a lot of people thought it was funny and and it works. Um, I just ask you to consider this, consider how just like the humor to us is in that in the original Star Wars, Darth Vader's mask is a life-saving device. He has to wear it. (laughs) Yep. This is always, yeah, this is the joke, right? It's essential to him. Like he needs it. And in our versions, it doesn't do anything. It's just part of his like work uniform. It doesn't even change his voice. It just muffles it. He's just himself in a hollowed out like (laughs) cavern of a helmet. And in the original Force Awakens, Kylo's helmet doesn't do anything. It's just for looks. It's for show. It's just him posturing to try to be as much like his grandfather as possible. He doesn't need it. Um, And in our version, he it's, it's the key to his existence without it. He's nothing. (laughs) He's yeah. It does everything. Exactly. So,
0: and, and the helmet is, is we wanted the helmet to be even more of a character than it is in the, the actual films, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, for that reason, but also for other reasons. So expect more on the helmet Yeah, (laughs) or more about the helmet.
1: And I think just more of our version of Kylo would have just been kind of uninspired. It would have felt lazy and just sort of like the joke exists in a specific framing on our channel. Like, and it's having a different Kylo was always something we were pushing for. We've, we've warned people like for, for a while now that it wasn't going to be that version of our Kylo. And that uh, I think our version just works better for the material. Like he's an influencer sort of TikToker, uh, youtube celebrity he's got a sound he, if he just sounded like regular droll, you know so cynical like just wouldn't have worked for like pop star like that's not a pop star's attitude you know
0: the other point that i'd like to make in addition to that one which i i love that twist that we that we tried to put on it there with the helmets and their functionality yeah. <laughs> but character wise um there are some interesting stories about people who change who they are when they put on the the costume, you know, uh, you hear you hear this for mascots a lot yeah. of the time. Someone who dons the costume sort of feels that they are like allowed to be someone else, and it's an outlet for them when they're wearing a costume. Uh, and a lot of people sort of become someone else when they're in it. Yeah. Uh, there's something really fascinating about that. And the idea that Kylo may be being driven by this helmet <laughs> to some level because the helmet is itself an, an artificially intelligent machine. Right. Um, but that he might be dealing with some sort of self-consciousness there. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that's the result of whatever, you know, in his life. That when he puts on the helmet, he sort of has this freedom to to be this other person. Yeah. You're
1: behind the curtain. There's some, you know, some commentary about the helmet that some people picked up on too. the, uh, the sort of harsh criticism of the algorithm, you know, where it's just like the binary nature of, is this going to work or not is so brutal, you know? And he's just, it's clearly just like a debilitating, De- demoralizing process for Kylo, just trying to yeah, write right. this song that's just giving him yeses or noes, like the, the worst game of hot or cold that you've ever played. And the fact yeah, that it's what abysmal. The, the helmet eventually lands on is just something so trite and contrived. You know, just <laughs> a, a, just another version of banana time is just it's so mean. That's like this is what people want. Like that's what you're. This is what you do. Um, right. This and is well, we what's going to get the clicks. Ask, yeah. We
0: had him actually ask Marcus, what does banana time even mean? Like e- even he doesn't, know <laughs> he doesn't know what his hit track <laughs> means.
1: And he it's can't like even explain it. Yeah. That's just another like element of entertainment where you can't always predict what something that you make means to someone else. You know, a lot of people take their own meaning from shit all the time. Right. You know, it's, I see that in like, I, I learned a lot about that in film school we had like a film analysis class where we, we tore films apart frame by frame and like found the meaning in each frame. And as I got older, I was like, none of that shit, like maybe <laughs> one out of 10 times was like an intentional yeah. setup and, and on the part of the filmmakers, everything else is just serendipity. Like it just works out. We take what we want from it through hindsight and personal yeah. you know, uh, perspectives. And it's just
0: a good example of that is tickets, please. Yeah, when we when we wrote that line, we just thought it was a funny thing for Finn to say. We didn't think of it as a meta, you know, callback to Indiana
1: Jones. Yeah, uh, at all. We that and never entered our minds. <laughs> more than one person was like, "That's a good callback." We're like, "Yeah, sure, we did. We definitely <laughs> called calling it back. That's what we do. We're the callback boys." <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, so that's we that's seem a to get, great we example. Seem to get
0: lucky with meta meta on yeah. solo references that we don't intend.
1: Yeah. That's like our moment, you know, our version of people going, being like, yo, when Alfred Hitchcock framed the shadow to, to symbolize the past, it's like, yeah, no, we didn't. The Hitchcock probably didn't do that. And we didn't, definitely didn't do that. <laughs> Though in Hitchcock's case, he might have, he might have. Yeah. He might be so meti- <laughs> uh, meticulous and and crazy. Him and Kubrick are the only two people where I I believe that everything was intentional. Everybody else, it's just luck. Like, it's pure luck. Let's talk about The Matrix. Yeah, speaking (laughs) of film
0: analysis, uh, I don't know how much of an analysis we're going to do on this, but I figure now's the time for us to get in. Yeah. Uh, And we are, again, going in without having discussed this before. I've watched it like three times now.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've watched it once, and that's probably all they're getting out of me. That's, that's I, saw a, it, I saw it in the theater oh, and yeah. twice
0: on HBO. Max, you had an so. interesting
1: theater experience, too, that we should talk about uh, <laughs> Yeah, at some point. I think we could spend a little bit of time just kind of recapping our last podcast. We we spent a lot of that episode kind of trying to predict what the hell this was going to be about, what they could possibly have to say. Um, And we got pretty close on a lot of different things. Uh, We had some interesting takes we were like coming up with shit as we talked too. like some of the stuff we came in with prepared. And then some of it was just based on our conversation. But the idea that the matrix, this this was uh, a special matrix for Thomas Anderson that the machines were keeping him in was sort of the one big thing we got right. We're like, this is, this is a sequel. This is like somehow a preserved Neo being kept in his own artificial reality for reasons yet unknown. We we sort of guess that it may be like his reward, you know, his eternal pursuit of yeah. becoming the one was just sort of what he his like a loop that was kept him happy. Um what else did we guess? we had that. I, that was pretty close. I, I
0: recall we um I mean, we were quite negative about about some of our predictions. I think yeah. we talked about how it didn't look like the fight choreography was going to be any kind of match to the earlier films. It looked yeah. kind of like that was going to go by the wayside, and that was sort of on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was, you know, there were there was a lot of discussion in the online ether regarding yeah. him as a filmmaker. Or something, because that there was, you know, the idea of the footage from the earlier films being in this right. film uh, represented in some form as projections or something was really throwing people all yeah. over the place. So I think one of our things was, you know, it was going to be something about some some meta commentary on him right. having something to do with the Matrix. It was going to be uh, like the, the, the films.
1: This film, the this this series is uh new nightmare. Which, if you're a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, that's the meta movie that they made where the actress from the movie was being haunted by a Freddy Krueger that she actually co- eventually ah, conjured in, okay. into the real world. So that was, yeah. that, that was that kind of uh, a framing almost uh, where I think it tread dangerously close to that, but right. it didn't ever quite reach that. He wasn't Keanu Reeves, which is what that would have required. Right, but that right. was something we, we had, Pitched a little bit as a possibility, maybe not in that episode, but you definitely hit me up. You're like, "Oh my god, dude, what if it's just Keanu Reeves?" And as
0: Keanu Reeves, as Keanu yeah.
1: Reeves, yeah, <laughs> just like reconciling his life as Neo, <laughs>
0: which could have been a direction that she actually took the film in, given how yeah. meta she she start she started to go and then sort of withdrew. Yeah, you know, just kind of starts as a dove concept back and into, into, then tops
1: Yeah, then it just goes right into just familiar Matrixy territory. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
0: where, where do we even begin with this? I mean, where I know, do we man. even start? I think
1: it's maybe just while it's, we kind of just go like a la carte. You know, we, you just mentioned go, fights, yeah. fight sequences. I could right away just kind of dive in on that. They clearly did not have a solution to the the amazing and sort of revolutionary fight choreography and technical contributions that the original films made. And their way around that was to make a commentary about it through this game design pitch meeting, uh, they're like, "We need the next uh, Bullet yeah. Time," and it was like the, the, So their idea of them not having a follow up to Bullet Time was just turned into a joke that they then used as an excuse to not actually have the next Bullet Time in yeah. the film itself. the The fight, they were, it's, they're like, they're trying to excuse their way out of it, but then they still tried to kind of deliver a little bit of familiar matrixy action and it was just felt really dated and lazy like it was uh
0: so that was something i agree with you i i felt like the the whole meta let's take a look at the whole meta idea right mm-hmm. let's take a like a, a whole wide view on this the meta thing i agree with you came off somewhat as a smoke screen yeah for t- to some level at the very at the very least it seems like kind of a clever distraction mm-hmm. you know that that might or might not be there to act as a as a shield for criticism about things like the the fight sequences or other, other elements of the story. But at worst, uh, it comes off to me as sort of deeply cynical. Yeah. Um, because it's, it felt to me like what she was railing against this idea of nostalgia reboots being like the bane of, of art today Mm -hmm. is exactly what she (laughs) delivered in the film. Right. Like, like to me, right. Taking a wide view this is just a reboot of the first Matrix. Like, if you look at the film structurally, beat by beat, it, it's like it's almost the same as the first Matrix with right. some tweaks regarding Trinity's role and you know some other some other elements. But this idea of this meta approach, lampshading as a trick, yeah, doesn't to, to me was like a real turnoff. Like having Neo get into a dojo with with Morpheus and then say oh, this again, like, sarcastically, Mm -hmm. doesn't excuse the fact that they did another dojo sequence with Morpheus. Like, that is, that is like, slightly pathetic, you know, that they actually replayed so many, like, they retread all of these ideas and scenes, including, like, him being like rescued from the pod, yeah. like being trained by Morpheus. We can get into all of the characterizations and everything down the road. But to me, that's, that's like the worst of it. You know, the worst part of that angle.
1: We could follow that thread all the way too. Cause the original film starts out with Trinity in a room being pursued by agents. And they like, they came up with a way to make that the beginning of the film still. Right. And then it cuts to Neo Thomas Anderson living his humdrum life of, you know, uh, of middling happiness and just directionless um uh, you, you know, so it's, yeah. And then he finally gets a call from Morpheus and it wakes him up and it, they pull him out and then he gets yeah. trained in the dojo. And then eventually his final goal is to go back in and rescue someone. And the exactly. original it's, it's uh, Lawrence Fishburne. He has to go back in and throw, put it all on the line just to rescue Morpheus. And that's yeah. through that rescue, he unlocks his true potential, figures out uh, who he is. And in this one, it's just someone else, but it's the same beat by beat structurally. It's yeah, it's very force awakens. It, it uh, absolutely is. Matrix. And
0: and the tweaks I think are giving people this bizarre crutch to mm-hmm. say, oh, but you don't, you don't get it. You don't get how it's a commentary about the state of, of art today or like right. And then some people are saying, well, you don't understand it's about love. Um, you know the film is about love, and yeah. the the meta commentary is just something that's sort of baked into the Matrix films. You know, this commentary, social commentary, but I don't buy the love story either I because either. Trinity yeah. is not even in the film hardly. Yeah, like she's in one and a half coffee shop scenes. Yeah, then she's frozen. She's
1: background.
0: A, <laughs> yeah, she's background while while the analyst is talking to Neo. Yeah, and then they're they're trying to escape together to like the roof of this building. That's it. Yeah, she's not actually represented in this if, if this is supposed to be a love story it doesn't happen on, on screen Yeah, like it's dependent entirely on the audience's emotional capital going back to the first three movies right? we know that you will understand Neo and Trinity are in love because you watched the first three movies we're not going to give you that story here
1: yeah that three movies know? of love is so powerful you will bring that into this movie and we don't need to do any of that lifting for you Exactly. Yeah, she's an object to be pursued uh, in just as a, as a standalone uh, experience. She's just an object. She's a princess in another castle, you know, Super Mario style. Right. Um, and it's sort of a retconning of Neo's place in the Matrix. You know, the the architect in the original series had a very mathematical reason for the existence of the One, and the, the one being a, an actually not unique entity that just is reoccurring within these systems. And it's just, it, on a long enough timeline, there will be a one. And in this one, they're like, no, 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 no. He has all his power because of love. Like, he's he didn't come into... They reframe all of these shots from the original films to be like, no, no, that's where he's got his power from. Which is like, that's not what <laughs> was happening in the original films. This yeah. was just... I don't know, man. It's, I, I had so much to say on it. that it's really hard to like form my, my thoughts. Oh, there, well, there's so much to then, go
0: over. I mean, I think yeah.
1: just, uh, just on this love thing though, like this, this cheap re like reminding of this, of these old shots and reframing them is like, that's the real source of power. We, that's what we meant the whole time. And it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> it was always his princess, you know, that. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, the Trinity Neo story was always there.
1: Yeah. But she's, and she's there as like, yeah, as support structure. But the, I think in the original one, the tone was more of the power was inside you the whole time. Like that more of an eighties. Yeah. Right. Like uh, the real hero was always in you. You just needed to believe in yourself. It wasn't like you need to love this person enough to you were, it was a Jesus Christ figure. He died and was reborn. That's, that has nothing to do with love. Like that's, <laughs> that that's, that's, that's reframing to a, uh, I I don't know. I I get it. It's sweet. It's very sweet to look back at your stuff and be like, I've changed a lot since then. Love is more important now to me in this world than Jesus Christ (laughs) or whatever, cyber Jesus.
0: And I would have, you know, a lot of people are making this weird excuse. They're like, Oh, the, the, the rabid diehard fans are are like, they, they wanted more green tint and more fights. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, forget all that. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to give us a film about love, I would have been so on board with a film that was all about Neo and Trinity just dealing with the confusion of being in this matrix. Yeah. You know the the weirdness of that trying to escape it. The, the you know, having the whole film perhaps take place in the matrix yeah. where they're both trying to get out of it, escape it, you know, with this slow burn <laughs> like
1: yeah, you leading to almost... this
0: escape where like they're they're losing their minds and yeah. they're like we have to break free of it. And their journey is to to break free together, but that's yeah. just not, you know, no, th- there yeah, could have been so many be rescued, ways to spin this.
1: And she didn't really have any agency in that either. She just eventually like, just, it's funny that the game design company was called Deus Machina because she just, yeah. Deus Machina, her way out of like captivity. <laughs> she just screamed. She just, you know, re- have unleashed the power that was inside her the whole time without any sort of, she... <sighs> they they really could, they really missed their chance to have almost an eternal sunshine moment where they were, they were in it together. Like, yes, that was a Jim Carrey movie, but his love for this person developed and they, they were in it together by the end. And it felt like a journey between two people, uh, trying to overcome a lot of pain, but, and, but also like fate, you know, and it's, yeah, this was just Neo's journey. This wasn't a love story. It was just him in pursuit of a, of a goal that she was just part of, you know, and it was, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a love uh, it's story. angle. Go- they didn't do a love story successfully enough to, to justify not doing enough, a, a, like more familiar matrixy stuff in my opinion. Right.
0: Right. And I, I and I feel that the setup is, um, there was something clever in the the meta setup yeah. for for the whole thing. But I was really
1: excited at first. You know, like it's also the,
0: bizarre too. Like, were you kind of into it in the first? You know, first section. Yeah, I was of the into film? the
1: idea that he was like. I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when I was like, "Oh, it's a game. Like he designed the game. They're using. Yeah. They're like they're manipulating him by keeping just enough of the truth uh, to the point where it seems almost unbelievable. You know that. Um, there,
0: there are some unanswered questions that I'd love to throw past you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I would call like my nitpicky stuff, yeah, which yeah. I, I love, you know, me and my weird like logical consistency game. Yeah. So so the first one that I have, just to, to take a, a less wider view here, is like, and I think this might be indicative of some of the missteps that that Lana Wachowski was taking, right? Uh-huh. Um, the whole concept of a game being built by Thomas Anderson when you have like the re- you have the recreation of the scene where Smith is trying to g- walk into the building to go after Trinity, right? Right. And you have these other characters, this is in a, a modal, it's called a modal, right? Yeah. Um Trinity's watch uh sorry, uh Bugs, who is the best character ever, in my opinion. I love Bugs. But uh Bugs and uh she's watching I, f- I feel like I got
1: she's great. I feel like I she- I forgot about her. Like just really? you brought her up. I was like, who the fuck is Buzz?" Oh my God. I love that character.
0: I would watch a whole film about her. Like I wish that she had been carried through the film all the way that she, maybe she was the one. I don't even care. Like, I just, I just loved her. Uh, She had like this weird exuberant quality. I, I just, I was so into like what that character was about, but, um, so, so she's watching Trinity, right? Yeah. And she's saying like, um, this isn't what Trinity did. So, so maybe she's heard stories about what tr- Trinity did in that situation. But right. when you have Smith walk up to that cop at the beginning and he's like, no, your men are already dead. Who the fuck knew about that? Like right. who whose memory was was that? That's represented in this modal that Thomas Anderson which is, has built.
1: Which is really The, the whole game thing has
0: been to come out of Thomas Anderson's head. Right. He, which right? he
1: wasn't even there as Neo. Neo didn't exist yet when that scene happened in the original film. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that is purely Lon Wachowski going direct to the audience, audience and not thinking logically about what we is happening it. in this story. Right. And that's really epically disappointing that she yeah. would make that kind of a... Like misstep, like it's, it's, it's even bizarre how, how screwed up that is. That's an easy
1: puzzle where you're just like, whose memory is this? Oh, it's the audience's memory. Well, that's, (laughs) that's cheap. And that's,
0: you know, and that, that extends outwards towards other sort of like casually bizarre Situations like using film footage and calling it gameplay. You know, yeah. this is footage from your game, but it's just footage from the the films. From the
1: films, yeah. And then
0: also, like, how is Morpheus teaching Neo anything when really that version of Morpheus is just an amalgam of Neo's memory about Morpheus? Right. Like, what? Yeah. How nothing... is Morpheus teaching Neo anything? Yeah.
1: You know, what is He's this just, weird? He just ends up being almost like, I I, I understand what. Lana was trying to go for with Morpheus the the, the fact that he was an amalgamation of Smith and Morpheus somehow, which didn't come through by the way, the whole, like Hmm. he's half Smith, like that. The only thing that was Smith about him was his desire to break free from his programming. That was it. There was nothing else. It was such a lazy um, tacked on excuse for like to have a new Morpheus that was a little different than the old Morpheus. But I understand the motivation behind that was to have a devil and an angel on Neo's shoulder being the same right. person. Um, and he, he it did. D- it doesn't he,
0: explain why he's drinking, you know, martinis though. Right. <laughs> Which neither character, neither character did. was
1: into martini, but th- together they're so, so wild. They're just into partying. <laughs> I will say, and I said this to, to my girlfriend when we were watching it, I was like, I don't care what I, you think about this character. Ain't nobody on the planet pulling off a yellow suit. Like, like that, like that was <laughs> just that skin tone. Like accented by that kind of a, a of a pat, like a color palette it just, yeah, look real good, you know. And that was, he was the yeah. only character that looked good, uh, with his like matrixy style. Nothing is funny to me when those characters walk in at the cafe at the end in like full matrix mode and they're all just like <laughs> slow motion with their just stupid sunglasses <laughs> and their dumb hair. And it's just, it's so not cool today, but it was definitely yeah. like, 1999. Cool. Trying to be like, I still got it. Midlife crisis. Dad, you know, it was just, dude, the, the hairs No, you can't slow motion walk. Looking like that anymore. Those days are over, but, uh, but Morpheus yeah. could, cause he felt fresh enough. He was, a, yeah. he was a fresh actor, you know, like with, with enough, pedigree to have the confidence that we could kind yeah. of go into the film with him with it was like i've seen this him pull off several other kind of cool excuse me sort of cool things so yeah and I'm i was kind of on
0: board this. with the concept even though i yeah. felt it was a little wonky i kind of accepted it when it was happening i wasn't picking the film apart as i watched it <clears throat> i was very much kind of going for the roller coaster that she was presenting you yeah. know and and that roller coaster was really weird I was like a couple times during the film I was like I'm into this this is like you know it's up there as as an experience and then yeah. that would like drop down radically and mm-hmm. I'd be like, I might fall asleep now, and then yeah. it would rise again, and then it like plummeted. By the end, it just had dropped down to like this level where I was like, I have real issues with this film. You know, yeah. we, we can maybe get into some more of those. But
1: I, I actually texted that to you. I was, I, I, you were like, how did you feel about? it? I was like, I was on board and off board so many different times. Yeah. That I started to like my head started to spin. Like they had me, and then they lost me. Then they had me again. Then they lost me. And I think by the end, uh, I was off. Like they lost me. Right. By the end um and i think a lot of that was just if we want to kind of wrap up the action just to bring it back to that they they lost me when they just sort of lazily made neo's display of power and his bond with trinity just him holding his hands out and reflecting things he just had yeah. this that was it. Was so, a fully such,
0: defensive defensive yeah, it was defensive
1: manure. but visually it's just i was like oh it's because they don't have uh, was it Yin Ping or uh, what's his name, the original fight choreographer from the film? Um, yeah. And also, everyone's just old, so just make it easy on the actors. Like I couldn't not see that with this, with with the on-screen action happening with him just holding his arms out. Like it's I, just like, oh, it's the easiest man. way to to depict action for the actors. Hold your arms out and just change the direction <laughs> of your arms. It, it reminds me of. Lucas doing the 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 prequels series where dudes would just spin their their sticks and then he's like, Don't worry about it. I'm just gonna draw action around you. You're gonna be deflecting lasers and chopping dudes down. You know,
0: that's a great point. I've seen a lot of people saying things like, No, that that was a deliberate decision right. to not have Neo ever pick up a gun, right? Right. But it's um it's a little bit disheartening because the first part of this is that Lana is like making fun of movies that are just all gunfire right. but then she delivers this movie that's like all gunfire right yeah so many and, guns and i and i understand that um that neo isn't going to pick up a gun i respect that decision but in these matrix films martial arts was representative of a certain level of of power like you know mm-hmm. how sometimes like they're, they're a little heavy-handed in their their use of martial arts like sometimes yeah. like punching somebody really hard means like you have the emotional fortitude to like wins win some something right. <laughs> you know like right. how, you don't have the strength to win Trinity back unless you can punch me like the hardest yeah and that's really silly you know but <laughs> but we get it you know what I mean like yeah and and that usually took the form of a martial art so it's like I had to make sure you were the one you know, to to, to let, let down this firewall. So you have to like show your Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they could have done that as well while they're being chased through the streets by these, you know, forget the swarm for now, but like yeah. say these these agents that are more like troopers, you know, these sort mm-hmm. of like...
1: Uh, Faceless, yeah. Yeah, like, troopers, like
0: why yeah. not have it be like he's fighting, you know, in, in, using martial arts, but defensively. Yeah. You know, that would have been fascinating cuz he, he still he says in the film I still know kung fu, like yeah. they like th- he's aware of it. Lana Wachowski is aware that kung fu is still like this method by yeah. which they use to like negotiate all of these different levels of power.
1: Yeah. So like and the idea that <laughs>
0: right. You're
1: you're right that by dropping it and just having it yeah. it's so it feels lazy. And they did have some martial arts in there and some what they showed was pretty cool, but it never Yeah. None of it ever landed as as powerfully as it did in the original films and it's that's fine but it's also then it brings the question back to why bother like why what do you have to say other than just cashing in on something that worked in the past you know that's right by failing to bring anything revolutionary to the table which is kind of what the matrix has always been known for you just didn't really come up with a good enough reason to do it again like that's what did you, and like she was having aware him of that yeah. And just having him just hold up a force field and it wasn't purely defensive either. That's not even a, a genuine argument because he was like invisible fireball blasting things like offensively in order to clear yeah. the path. like So it was like this was an offensive. This was a martial art, but it was just a force field that he built around themselves so that they didn't have to come up with anything more complicated than him holding his arms out
0: yeah that, that was um i saw a weird i don't want to get too deep into into lana's process or, or what yeah. her, the, what her deal is outside of the film making process but i did see uh where she was on a panel mm-hmm. and uh this was kind of a bummer the the guy uh who was moderating the panel who was just asking the actors questions was like there are expectations that there might be some like you have to do something revolutionary with yeah. the films in terms of, you know, the visual effects or whatever, fighting, whatever. And she was like, she did this gesture. She started laughing. And then she did this gesture where she like whipped her arms around. And she was like, we are going to revolutionize oh, no. the film process. And then the guy was like, Oh, like the moderator was like, Oh, that's, great. Like, I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. And what she was doing was she was like mimicking the scene where they're at the focus group or, you know, the uh, the, the group yeah. where the guy actually does that move with his hands. And he's like, we are going to revolutionize the game game market. So and she so she was, was just like flat out, like referencing her own joke. Yeah. And it went right over the moderator's head. Well, and I was okay. kind of like,
1: it, I was because, like, that's a
0: fair question. Yeah. All, all he's doing is asking you if, you who who like he's giving you the cred as someone who revolutionized cinema. Yeah. Like, why can't you just take that and then give some resp- Maybe maybe your response could be like, "We're not focusing on revolutionizing cinema. Yeah. We're just focusing on telling this other story." Like, why did you have to
1: <laughs> make fun take of that him? Weirdness. Yeah. Let's you're just actually, out there and like
0: you. I, it's I feel weird. like she brought nobody this, gets it,
1: and then she, but. Even in hindsight, you're like, oh, you're making fun of that guy and his question because you make fun of that in the movie as an excuse to not actually do it. You're like, we're yeah. going to own the joke while also giving ourselves uh, an excuse to not have to actually come up with anything revolutionary. That's right. And I've, maybe, I've, maybe
0: you're making fun of fans or maybe not. Like maybe yeah. you're s- saying that some super fans are weird or dumb or are sheep. I yeah. have no idea. It's That's hard, not even it's a hard to understand, understand thing, her. Though. It, That's her just a totally
1: like understandable and legit question like that's just say yes or no like that's not yeah an opportunity to make fun of this poor guy you know that
0: yeah and i don't know that she was really trying to make fun of him so much as she was just so into her own process that she is like she's like steamrolling over people right (laughs) by like by just working off of her and you know maybe that's where she's at like and that's that's totally fine but what what happens is it like it ends up polarizing people in a way that feels kind of mean in some sometimes yeah, it's, like that
1: feels mean to me you know it's,
0: I, something i noticed something in the film on my second watch and it cracked me up and then i was trying to like understand it right yeah there's a sign in in the scene where when bugs first is running away from the agents in the opening sequence and she slides down Um,
1: the light, she
0: slides on like a, Oh
1: yeah. What does that say? It was, it was like, the sign
0: says for those who love to eat shit. Yeah. Okay. And at first I was like, ah, like, is she talking to the fans or Warner brothers? Cause she's so, she's so overt about her, her bitterness towards the studio. Like including the fact that there's a Warner brothers in the matrix is like, so like radically overt yeah. To, like she's clearly is talking about her own experience. She's just saying that. Right. Yeah. Uh, because like, so, so I was like, who is that aimed at? And then somebody, uh, I was talking to was like, Oh, that that's just a joke about bugs slamming into the sign. Cause she like wipes out. She like hits yeah. the sign and falls on the ground. It's like, it's a meta joke that's sort of there to like prep people for the idea of meta. Right. And I was kind of like, ah, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy that. Well, at first I bought that and I was like, okay, I kind of buy that. But then I, I found out another dude, there is another sign Uh that is on top of the building that Trinity runs past. And it just says tastes like shit. (laughs) There's like another sign. It's in, I, I think it's in Spanish. Yeah. It's like this big lit sign. I can point it out to you in the footage. Yeah. Like, it, that's just what it says, and it's like so, it's like why would you have another eat shit reference? Like clearly right you're just away. you're you're just you're thumbing it at somebody, and it's like should we take offense to that as an audience? Because you're kind of like it feels like you might be saying that the audience is maybe kind of dumb, like yeah. for having expectations at all. Like I I don't know.
1: Yeah, that um, and that goes back to your perspective point that you made earlier. This is Thomas Anderson's modal. This is his creation. So even as a meta commentary, it's not, it breaks the rules because he would have had to program that sign for this character that he did not expect to be in there. Like his <laughs> modal was not a por- an intentional portal for these characters to invade. So right. who's supposed to eat shit on that then according from his perspective, that's not, you can't break the fourth wall <laughs> right. like that as meta commentary without considering that perspective and sort of you're violating your own rules almost immediately. So, right. So maybe it's right. like, yeah, the only argument for meta commentary I would have accepted is if Thomas Anderson made that sign because he's blowing off steam in this self-contained creation of his, where he's just like tastes like shit. Cause he's mad at his bosses. He's frustrated as a creator um, with, with expectations on his, I would accept that as an argument. Like that's just Thomas Anderson blowing right. off steam, but I'll almost give it a pass on that level because it does work when you think about it that way.
0: Yeah, I could buy that.
1: This is his sketchbook. He's just making this for his own satisfaction. And he's into the Um, idea
0: of eating shit, I guess. He loves loves poop. (laughs) Tastes like shit for those who love to eat shit. shit.
1: He's a fecal freak. This is where he's exploring his forbidden (laughs) fetishes. (laughs) We're glad that model ended uh, when it did. Let's just, just put it that way. Because the steak eating scene was just not safe for work. Uh, He does eat some steak, though. He does do the everything he does is like things that (laughs) got sort of poo-pooed for lack of a better term (laughs) uh, by people that were that had escaped from the Matrix. Um, I don't know. I guess I want to talk about his boss because we're talking about his frustrating as a worker. I, I have a lot of problems with that have been problems that have existed for me since the the first film, which is that they had failed, failed. I will emphasize that <laughs> word to come up with a better reason for any of this to be happening other than because Smith, that they were never able yeah. to come up with a better antagonist than Smith. So they just keep bringing Smith back under the weakest pretenses. And yeah, that's I'd... the pretenses have been weak since the second movie. Like, and yeah, I, totally. I, and, and, but the difference is that the the glaring hole in that practice is the lack of hugo, hugo weaving it's <laughs> not course, so much that yeah. smith was a good character it's just that hugo weaving himself was so um so magnetic and 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 and, and has engaging. since become
0: iconic right. like agent smith kind of only works be- because of hugo weaving because of hugo
1: the deliveries yeah. the 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 weird menacing scowls like the the expressions that only he can make um just and the and the sort of intimidating the man, man in black uh presence that he had as an authority figure was just you felt that immediately. Um it, when, as the second he was introduced in the original films, you know. When he says, No, Lieutenant, your men are already dead, like he's in control of that situation. He knows more than anybody else there, he knows more than us, he knows more than the other characters in the movie. When you rewatch those films, and he's engaging with, with Thomas Anderson at the beginning, you know, with like threats of, of federal punishment, you know, he's he's more of an authoritarian, like more of a, a of a policing figure. He's like, I'm where you're going to go to jail. Right. When you watch that again, you're like, dude, this guy is so scary as just like an authority figure, but also, you know, the whole time that he could just crush your body at any time <laughs> with his physical power. Right. Uh, it's just such a great, dynamic that they present with this character that only works in the first film. And then they come back like in the second film with more Smith that somehow Neo freed him by destroying him. And it doesn't, it never made sense to me, but I rolled with it because it was Hugo weaving. And I was like, I'm down for more Hugo weaving. It'd be like if they, you know, killed Darth Vader and just like brought him back in the sequels for no reason other than just like the fans want more Darth Vader and he's the best one yeah. we've got.
0: It just becomes that super lame. They need each other. Mm-hmm. They can't exist without one another. Yeah. And it's so dumb because you know, when you break down the logistics of it, why would the analyst bring Smith back? Why would why? he allow him that's, to be in this
1: system? That's the biggest question I had it was like, why would you, I understand that you as a creator of a system that is manipulating Neo that he needs some sort of antagonist and to, it's clever to make his boss and business partner, the antagonist, but there is no reason to inject Smith himself as the <laughs> program. Yeah. To create that energy. That's so you don't need that energy. You can create a Smith like proxy without actually bringing Smith in. And the only reason you're doing that is so that you, because you have, a lack of a better villain. Like you never, you were never able to come up with a better villain than that. It never even worked in the originals. And it doesn't make sense anyway, because Smith's code was destroyed. The whole purpose of the ending of the third act of the original series was the just complete destruction of Smith's code. Right. So what are they, where did they get it? What are they using? And having this actor try to mimic Hugo Weaving's, me- mannerisms. Oh, and so deliveries? he didn't
0: actually. I read. I read a. I saw an interview with him, and he said that's what he tried to do at first. Uh huh. But Lana stopped him and said, "Just do your own thing." Yeah. So it was like an intentional choice for him to not channel. Cuba ah, see, weaving. but
1: it still came through as like an as an as an attempt. Like it. Yeah. And I think that's going to happen whether you mean to or not, because you're saying that Smith. That's Smith, as the right. as the viewer, you're going to be like, oh, let me try to pick up any. Because Hugo Weaving was so identifiable as that character, Smith and Hugo Weaving are one and the same. Right. Um, so if you're going to call another character Smith, we are going to do that. We're going to be like, well, can he be Smith? Can he be as menacing and and commanding of the space as Hugo Weaving? And then you're like, I, I feel like he's kind of trying to do Hugo Weaving. And it's not working. So if you're going to make that decision, you better fucking – be prepared for people to, to try to make that connection, whether you want the actor to or not. So right, right. You might as well go for. It. You might as well have the actor try and do it then. Like that that dude they got in the third film who was possessed by Smith. He did a great job. Like he did well enough. As dumb as that concept was, actually, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that concept was kind of cool. It had it had legs. It just kind of failed to take it anywhere. Yeah. Right. But that actor did very clearly try to do a Hugo weaving thing. He did a
0: great Hugo weaving. I think, I think everybody was like, we don't want to see somebody do a Hugo weaving. We want to see Hugo weaving, you know, but, but he did a, he did a great job. Yeah. You know, channeling that, that droll.
1: I really felt like there was the spirit of Hugo weaving in this guy, you know, I didn't need the guy to look like Hugo weaving, even though he kind of weirdly did. Uh, it was like a hairline, brow like they clearly (laughs) cast someone they were like we want you to look like maybe a stunt double right right but um yeah the justification of smith's presence in all the films beyond the first one always felt weak to me and that never felt weaker than and i get this again you could be like it's meta like like it's they're commenting on the success of the films and that that success was dependent on this relationship this antagonistic i i uh, mean symbiotic thing they had
0: it creates more confusion though because the the so there's this concept in the film that uh the analyst has placed handlers around Neo to keep him in check, right. right? And presumably Smith has been placed there by the analyst and doesn't even realize that he's Smith. Yeah. Because he actually has to like pick up a gun and then become Smith. Yeah. It's like a moment where he like realizes that he's Smith, but before that he still is acting like smith so so that's confusing <laughs> yeah. but then you have these other handlers like his um really obnoxious uh part uh assistant jude yeah who's in the in there with the coffee shop that's his shop, wingman right yeah is his wingman and and he's a handler which is um a handler is described in the film by the analyst as like a a, a program that keeps actual people who are in the matrix in check and the matrix is is like flooded with these handlers And they can become a swarm at any time. You can like control them. So they're only to the point
1: where I was actually confused. I I've thought that this matrix that Trinity and Neo existed in was a special matrix just for them, where no other organic life existed it was all handlers that's yeah i, I, that, I was confused by that so
0: that's that i don't think they were very clear about it they weren't um, yeah that's, well, the, maybe, that's maybe the main, i just
1: also was tuning out like maybe i was i mean that's <laughs> it's very yeah impossible. well it's
0: confusing because this handler that he has jude is in the coffee shop with him and he's like i'm gonna get you closer to trinity even though you've been seeing her in the coffee shop As part of this loop. The whole idea is loops, right? Thomas Anderson is in this bad loop. Every day is this this terrible, you know, he's in the doldrums going through this thing every day. And the idea is that he keeps seeing Trinity but can never meet her. Yeah. So why is Jude, this handler, like, let me introduce you. Let me start the process of you getting closer to Trinity Yeah. so you can, like, eventually start realizing that you're in the matrix and then break free. Like it doesn't, I
1: guess that's, they got to edge him though. Right. That's sort of the whole source of power is that his, he's got this continuous need to pursue this love so that they use that. So I guess like inciting it a little bit is part of that loop, like he gets some close to him only so he could meet Chad, uh, her husband, you know, that's like part of the setup. Is okay. To like I break can buy down that a little bit. I, I also just—I just, like just—I feel like an idiot because bugs came. She said, "I came from the Matrix. I watched you fly." So that just right away answers my dumb uh, question about whether or not there's actual people in there. She came from that Matrix. Oh She's right, like, right. I, I watched you jump off the building and fly, and that. Oh, so began he didn't fly journey.
0: when he jumped. When he when he he just disappeared. That was also unclear.
1: Right. That was well, another she said, weird but, thing. She said, "But you flew, right?" He, no, she says you didn't fall. You didn't fall. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, which which right. the. Later she explains that he just gets warped back right to where he started from. He
1: gets he gets sent back to a checkpoint.
0: Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. But yeah, like that's the whole like handler thing was confusing to me and and yeah. why Smith would be there as a handler who isn't aware that he's Smith but is mm-hmm. acting like Smith like he knows it. Yeah. It's really it's really
1: confusing. Well, it, goes, and, it goes back to the maybe I need to rewatch the original films again cuz Smith was always monologuing about the need they have for each other. And I never bought that. I was like, I don't think you need each other. Like, that's just an excuse for you to exist in this film as like a diametrically opposed Kung Fu force. Like, yes, you're fighting against a system, but what are we doing in the meantime? You got to punch something might as well be just Smith over and over again. Um, (laughs) And so there's always Smith, like, like ranting about how, the one doesn't exist without the other. There has to be a yin and yang. But I was never, I never was on. I was never like, yeah, there does. I was like there doesn't have to be a yin and yang. Why are we doing this? Like, wh- why are we fighting hundreds of Smiths in the street for what? Like, I don't get this. <laughs> the, the, the 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 groundwork, the 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 fu- the foundation of this um, antagonistic relationship just doesn't. It never. I never bought it. Right. And so, right. Ha- like, the the analyst is using those philosophies to like justify having him in this system, which so I never bought those to begin with. So having him in there as like a a part of his handling process just makes it even worse for me overall.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Do do you want to actually, I
1: agree. Do you want to talk about the analyst? Yeah. Let's talk about the analyst. Who is the analyst? Is that, is the analyst like the ultimate internet troll, like an (sighs) alt-right sort of appropriator of red pill culture. Is that what's? it's? Cause that's kind of like the take <laughs> I got. He named a guy, Chad, like there's all this internet. Yeah. Like, coded. You I mean, know, definitely
0: uh, that was her responding to the co-opting of the red pill for right. sure. Um, Cause he's so and, like, then, and then of course Trinity and, like, beats the shit out of him at the end.
1: Yeah. It kicks his fucking lower jaw off. And this weird. There's yeah. some like pretty impressive body horror in this film. Yeah, there was when I when I come to when I when I think about it, there was like the scene where they were being rebuilt.
0: Yeah, which was hor- horrifying and and, and, and like, fascinating. Like yeah. I thought that that was one of the most interesting parts of the film. Absolutely. And I was like I could have spent more time learning about that process. And you they know. just
1: kept blowing shit up, you know. Like they just kept like they had. It was almost like uh, trying to inject Hulk with a needle, you know, in that first film. Like how do yeah. we? Do, how do we fix this situation when it seems physically impossible to do it? Um, it was very Event Horizon. I got big Event Horizon vibes from that. Yeah. It seemed like cut footage from that film. Like, it was so... Like, the combination of machines and and gore. Yeah. Uh, There's always these flashes. I don't know if we watched it that one time. I don't know if you remember it. But every time, like... um, By the end, every time Lawrence, like, touched a surface of the ship, he got glimpses of his lost crewmates being sure, sure. tortured in somewhere else, like, in this nether realm it that's what it looked like so i was like whoa matrix going full event horizon on us. this is, this is i was this is yeah unexpected. That, that's where
0: it earned its r rating for sure yeah oh was it r? And some other things it was
1: rated r yeah i needed there should that felt like a hard pg-13 maybe i don't know if it was r
0: there was an aspect to it that kind of bothered me so i did feel that there was something that was very haunting and effective about how neo was being pushed To always like walk off a building, like Mm -hmm. I thought that was fascinating, and the way that they filmed it sometimes really freaked me out. Like he wasn't just trying to jump off the building; he was trying to like walk off of it onto like an invisible, what looked like an invisible platform, like this big knee in the air, sort of like moving forward towards something. And for some some reason,
1: Crusade style,
0: yeah, like that that imagery really. Felt so melancholy and weird to me. Like, and they yeah. that really got me in this way that that I, I found very effective. And but but what happened ultimately is that so many things in the film became about jumping out of windows. And then ultimately it they were like the swarm, you know, the swarm was like bombing people kamikazing. by people jumping out the windows. Yeah. When you take that. And pair it up against who that what the analyst is doing, which is like giving him medication and trying to talk him out of these situations where he's like walking off
1: of buildings, him off these ledges. So it's super yeah.
0: fucked up. Like it's super, super, yeah, super big, fucked like, up. I don't depression. know what the message
1: there is that Lana Wachowski is trying to say. Like, yeah, there's a big like suicide and depression thing yeah happening here yeah
0: it's it's kind of disturbing like it kind of started to bother me the more yeah. i dug into it because i was like, like what the fuck is she
1: saying like maybe you should just kill yourself <laughs> like, I like
0: i don't know i don't know because yeah. in the in the in the matrix films like you can always get behind the men in black authority figures are bad you know but this idea of like a mental health expert trying to keep you in control the idea that medication is actually holding you back yeah. And then jumping off of a building is the solution.
1: Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. like crazy. Maybe like that's, that's
0: a, yeah. actually that, that and that's how they ended the film. Somebody... They were like, "To get out of this, we need to both kill ourselves." Yeah, like it's really screwed up. And 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 it, it, like there was a there was a cool moment where like it's sad because they're jumping off the building, and when that one uh, controller's like, can they make that jump? It's like yeah. really. Freaking sad because like, I, I they're thought they're like, for nobody... a hot
1: second they were gonna do yeah. like a Thelma and Louise. I was like, they're just gonna take themselves out. Like nobody wins. Like if they're well, that's the what they were that's what they were this, doing. Yeah, right. Like they were. They they, were neither one to of them death. were like we're gonna fly. Right? No, no, they did
0: not think they were gonna fly. Yeah. they were like we are. We, they're like we're not gonna let them win. I actually we're gonna end I hate, ourselves.
1: I hate that the film did this to me, but I actually groaned when Trinity was like, "Oh, I'm the one that could fly now." I was like, "Oh, so <laughs> the, the and I'm like." I feel like I'm as progressive as they get when it comes to film expression, but that that they were cheating. Like they cheated, they broke their own rules for the sake of like, like trying to surprise you. That's, I hate like, oh, they subverted our expedition. Like that's like, it's like a, also like a dog whistle for people that are against like representation and things like that. But it's, this, yeah. this just felt like they broke their own rules. They they had a a character meticulously explained in mathematical language why the one existed and how it was possible. Right. And so then you have this like, well, no, it was love the whole time. And if they exchange that love, it's a, he could put a little bit, it's like the, the force healing in, in the rise of Skywalker. It came out of nowhere. It, it goes against sort of everything that the, the, the lore had previously established. Right. And it just felt cheap. It was like a cheap way to have this, like soup, like this other character have an awakening, uh, who did, like you said, had no agency throughout the, the rest of the movie. So it didn't even feel earned at all. Um, just your reward for jumping off the ledge is like you get to fly like that's dark and cheap. Like it's, it's the two bad things at once. And I, I rolled my eyes. I was like, I just go, no, no, that's not, no, you just, you broke your own rules. Like that's not, you don't, we don't do that. Yeah, um, I didn't, I, I,
0: I was all for Trinity. I thought Carrie Ann Moss was actually she's great. She's awesome. She was great as this, like, I felt she was so underused as a character in this movie. Like, yeah. I, I, I was kind of blown away by that. She didn't, she wasn't given anything to do. I felt that her journey was not represented on screen. You know, right. I just wanted to see, I wanted to see Trinity's, you know, journey with everything. Like, right. I'm
1: all about her being able to get the power of the one, but you need to then make the story a little bit more about her. You need to to give her the time. You need to
0: give her that story on screen. Like it's, you know, again, like coming back to some of our earlier discussion, like seeing Neo and Trinity deal with the matrix in some way, they didn't go into anything about her kids or her family. I mean, it was kind of funny that at the end she was like, that's her bringing kids into this. You yeah. know, that's for using kids, What she clearly <laughs> meant there was using kids <laughs> against me. Right. You right. You know, not using kids like like, you know, uh, treating kids badly. Right. It was like you used kids to to try to screw me up. So like, that's, that's
1: it, it, it. So here's what it reminded me of. I'm going to do, do a, a completely useless tangent, but I feel like hopefully <laughs> do it. it'll make sense. Do One of it. my favorite movies to rewatch uh, is Walter Hill's uh, not Walter Hill. Sorry. Uh, George Miller's. Witches of Eastwick. Mm. Uh, It's Cher.
0: um, I love that film.
1: Yeah. uh, Susan Sarandon and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Three women who each sort of face their own uh, unique issues as single women. One of them is divorced. Her husband just left her uh, because she was having too many kids and the guy couldn't handle it. One of Susan Sarandon's husband left her because she couldn't have any kids and Cher's husband died. So it's like all women who experience loss, who are sort of defined by their relationships with their men, who are trying to figure out who they are together as a group without them. And then Jack Nicholson shows up, this guy that they sort of conjured through their own combination of desires and then who empowers them um, as long as they do what he wants. And then the instant they stop doing what he wants, he turns that power against them. It becomes this like horrifically toxic, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, force that's like, that bent on literally, like physically destroying them. So it's, and then they realized the whole time that they were like, you know, we make each other great. We don't need him. He was just sort of like a, the thing to help us realize that we, who we are, we don't really need him. Yeah. And so it was like, that was the way to do it. And then they earned power by the end through their own journey, which included flight. Yeah. <laughs> so when Trinity like stopped in midair and was like hanging there, Hank, like holding Neo, like, like, uh, like, almost like like on a flat surface. That immediately called to mind that scene in Witches of Eastwick where the same thing happened. Like one girl, um, I think Susan Serrano had fallen, fallen off a, a really big balcony and was like about to like impact the ground. And they all like started laughing together, which, which is what gives them the mm-hmm. power of flight. Like them all experiencing joy makes them lighter than air and they fly. She's like Jane, laugh, and she starts laughing and she just freezes like right before impact in midair exactly like trinity did <laughs> so i feel like like they tried to have their witches of eastwick moment without actually having all of the weight of the rest of the film <laughs> that witches of eastwick had yeah um i don't know if you want a real trinity journey go watch witches of eastwick there's three <laughs> trinities in it and they're all amazing in their own ways they all learn to fly and there's also that horrific cherry <laughs> oh, pit god puking that sequence
0: That's that so <laughs> amazing and also the score to that film is I brilliant love the- john williams so so good. Yeah, it's it's John Williams. That's John yeah, Williams, it's an, an right? Amazing yeah, amazing score.
1: It's got some great like fiddle yeah. work. Yeah, I there. can sing like, it for you uh, now. I don't know. It's
0: <laughs> I am so familiar with that score.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's um. So yeah, there there is some lessons in it. And it's, you know, again, George Miller's another another white guy. If I'm gonna shit on my own <laughs> phrasing, but he is also notorious for seeking counsel with people that will help him tell these stories in the correct way. He was, uh, they spent a lot of time spotlighting the behind the scenes process of Fury road where he did that. He was like, let me talk to some of the leading feminist authors, make sure I get this right. You know? So he did the work and I feel like Lana didn't do the work. It just gave us a cheap conclusion with, uh, there's something too
0: that's, um, kind of cathartic about seeing someone beat the shit out of somebody who's been an asshole. Like mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That
1: that was great. It's great, I did but love it that. also
0: is kind of like, would would someone who's realized their full potential just do that? Like I, <laughs> I also felt like that was kind of like weak. Like just oh, yeah. I, I so, and it's like the moment is kind of f- a feedback looping on itself because he's like, mm. women lack control. And she's like, I'm gonna beat you harder. That's kind of sad to see that. I was like, oh, Trinity's best yeah. move is to like beat the shit out of the guy and then repair him, because yeah. because why she wants to just inflict pain. Like she's the she's kind of she's, she's kind of bro. she's into inflicting pain and then reversing it. Like I, she doesn't want <laughs> yeah. to damage him, but she wants to make him feel pain. Like I guess I understand that. That like that's.
1: That scene too, it, well, it was satisfying to see like this, the, the, the visceral. I did enjoy
0: that. I did enjoy uh, seeing it.
1: Yeah. The, the sort of visceral consequences of someone who is so cocky, which just opened up more problems for me that, that Neil Patrick Harris's character was, that's why I, I joked about this character was clearly supposed to be like the internet troll because the, the, the snide cockiness and sort of, baseline human level of cluelessness about uh, the female mind seemed very narrow and narrow enough to just be like, this is supposed to be this type of person Um, because you had the architect who I I've, I've actually grown. It was grown on me a little bit (laughs) over the years. Like I kind of enjoy the architect's clinical rambling, (laughs) you know, about the whole overview of how everything works like that. I appreciate that more uh, as I get old. Like I originally, I was like, fuck this Colonel Sanders looking, (laughs) looking ass, you know, just not no action. Just, just this guy telling us everything in a world where you're like, the rule is supposed to be show. Don't tell. Um, But I, I actually sort of as a computer program, I buy him. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, on the other hand, I don't like as someone who's in charge of a, a whole system as important as like a, a power plant that is that all the machines were like, or like need enough badly enough to go to war with each other over. Like you don't put an internet troll (laughs) in charge of that. You know, you don't put the Merovingian in charge of that. He's basically like this versions of, he was like this Matrix's version of the Merovingian, Uh, just somebody who's like too self-aware, too egotistical, too vain, um, too self-satisfied. Like these are all things that the computers, the computer world hates. They, they, they exile those. They delete those programs. They don't boost them up and give them positions of power. So I just – I hated that he was like, chicks only care about one thing, and that's emotions and babies. Yeah. And that's – like, you don't – that's not a computer that's saying that. Like, that's you responding to the people that you don't like online that have taken your whole mythos and and railroaded it into this, like, thing that you weren't really about. I get – I was, like, hoping beyond hope that they, that – the goal of this movie would to try to be to take that back. And it seemed like they toyed with that idea, but they never delivered on it. They only created these like caricatures of things that they don't like in the real world without having any weight or impact um, about on right. that conversation. Right. You know, it was just to be like, we acknowledge it and we hate it. And this is you. I kick <laughs> your face off. I kick you. And that's it. That's the only sort of resolution they came up with to deal with people that have like completely co-opted <laughs> their, their philosophy. Right. right, <laughs> For the sake of like mediocrity, right. you know, and status quo. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it feels like it's, it would take a real deft hand to sort of navigate those waters and to make them and to, and to bring them home.
0: I think that's what Lana Wachowski was trying to do. Um, but she still was, uh, I, I, I feel like it was all kind of watered down in this weird way. Um, the the script is yeah. very strange the way that it bounces from one thing to another, the whole meta commentary foundation feels unnecessary to me. I mean, it, I, sorry, it still could have been meta, but I don't know why she's dragging around or dragging her dirty laundry into it with the studio. Like it could mm-hmm. still be that Neo yeah. has developed a game. That is the matrix. Like that's still is maybe a cool concept, but with the addition of yeah. these other elements about why the matrix sequel was made, makes it gross. Like it just makes the whole thing kind of, kind of, you know, so I don't know what, like, I'm not sure what, you know, what her deal was. Like some people have suggested that the fight sequences were mediocre on purpose. And that's uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe every aspect of this film was mediocre on
1: purpose. That reminds me of, uh, I've used this example before in other podcasts. So some people, this won't be the first time they've heard me reference this, but the game Borderlands uh, first person shooter like looter shooter, kind of RPG elements um, but a lot of the things, a lot of the mechanics in the game are very uh, cliche. There's a lot of fetch quests, which are big in RPGs they have one character give you a, a a quest and all it requires is you to go to a place, grab a thing and bring it back. Sometimes you go to a place and get several things and bring them back. Sometimes you go to a place, get a thing, bring it back, and they send you <laughs> back out again just to pad time. That's all that they're there for. And Borderlands is a, uh, keenly aware of this. So they use their writing as an excuse to, to let them have their cake and eat it too. The characters make fun of and acknowledge the fact that it's a fetch quest, and they like make a commentary on the nature of fetch quests and how cliche they are and how lame they are. But at the end of the day, you're still doing right. a fetch quest. So they used clever writing as a way to pad the content in this way that they're making fun of. So it's like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to use cr- like creative writing, but still deliver on an experience that is just as trite and and cliched as the thing you're making fun of. Like that's, that's even shittier. Cause you're now admitting that you know that that sucks, <laughs> but you're trying to be on like, I'm on your side. Like I get it. Like we're gonna make this shitty for all of us. Like that's, I'm with you in this. No, I'm playing the game. I'm the one that has to go run from point A to point B like in this completely unengaging way that is just right. A retread. I, that's
0: what I kind of feel. Uh, you know, what happened was that I think the meta commentary was just meant as a first act setup that was then dropped. Mm-hmm. And I think what what's happening yeah. is that defenders of the film are suggesting that the rest of it was mediocre to continue the thread of the the meta commentary, yes. and that's that's absurdist on like the absolutely.
1: That's not like the most absurd happened. thing yeah. ever. Like I. <laughs> That's giving so much credit. I, I know credit that's, is not that's madness. Due. That's, that's <laughs> it's unbelievable. madness. I, yeah. I
0: I feel like the um, the whole meta thing in the way that it was brought into this really dragged the whole experience down for me. Like there are so many things that mm-hmm. she could have focused on more, telling more of Neo and Trinity's story. You know the world the world has been really messed up the last couple of years. Uh, you know, if she was trying to be mm-hmm. topical, she could have told more of a story about isolation. I I don't know. There, there are so many yeah. things that she could have done, but she instead chose to look at the legacy of the matrix films as a, as a launching point. And it's like, that's so yeah. looking inward. And I get as an artist, you, of course you do that, but like, why would you yeah. choose to, to, to do that here when you have this wealth of other stories, That you could tell and and still include maybe a meta, you know, angle in it.
1: Well, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the film suffered too much from head up your own assness. (laughs) Like her head was too far up her own ass to actually have that perspective to deliver something that may have had more to say about the world. um, Post Matrix, post um, COVID, post you know obviously they're probably making this before covid yeah for even, sure like, for at, sure the, at its at its peak but still we had uh, a presidency that would eventually set the stage for a three fucking year right. pandemic you know that's this pandemic is a direct result of policies from that um presidency so there's there was like and that presidency has informed so much culturally that um involves this film yeah. you know so it's like say something about that don't talk about Depression and suicide in a way that's like just stop taking your pills, bro, and stop listening to your therapist. Just fucking jump off that building to get real freedom. Like that's not, I know where you leave that. And I don't know if they meant to do that or if they're just like, yeah, the real power of mental health. Yeah, was right. you right. The whole time. The, the best like, I've heard
0: is that uh, it's the idea is that she's challenging viewers to understand that their identity is largely corporatized you know, in the system that we're in right. and like every, all the MCU fans are like, just give me more nostalgia because I'm my, my identity is, you know, the corporate MCU machine. And it's like the biggest, you know, argument against that is that she didn't deliver a film that in any way breaks away from the corporate system. The the Wachowskis right. are as corporate as like, think about what they did with the matrix and everything that followed from the matrix. Like who is she to talk
1: about breaking free of the corporate system? It's, she actually could be largely responsible, like second only to George Lucas in terms of monetizing and merchandising and, and licensing. Yeah. Like Like
0: that's as system based as anybody. Like it's, it's funny that she would lecture people on recognizing that their identity is largely like corporatized. Like, I mean, it just, it just feels so cynical to me. I, I, it's a bummer Mm -hmm. that that's, that's where we are now. Like for all I know, she's laughing at these matrix communities online who are all tearing themselves apart now because they're like debating what the meaning of the film is. And like, that's, is that the fight she wanted to bring to, to with this film?
1: Like that's that's the sucks. uh, That's the easiest. (laughs) Yeah. And like at the end of the day, the reality is probably as always the simplest one, which is there is no hidden meaning to the film. It's everything is, what you see is what you get. It's not that mm. deep. um, And it's just, you know, like, I think the, the most important message of the film for Lana was just like, I made this movie and I'm taking it back. Yeah, I'm taking that's... it from the studio. I'm taking it back from the audiences. Like, you, this doesn't belong to anybody anymore but me. And I'm going to kick your face <laughs> off if you try to make it about you. You know, it's... <laughs>
0: I'll repair you, but then I'll kick it again. Just, yeah,
1: I'll repair you, and then I'll kick it off again. Yeah, I'll repair you, possibly with a, a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I don't see. A, I don't see any sequels from this either. I hope that that's not where they were going. Oh, so here's a funny <laughs> thing too that somebody online pointed out. Um, so they obviously ended the film with the same "Rage Against yeah, the Machine" song, weird version of it. <laughs> right, it's the cover. <laughs> It's the cover done by that woman who peed in that fan's mouth on stage while she was doing (laughs) that cover. (laughs) That happened recently, so I don't know if that was intentional. It might have been like after the film was already delivered. But that's that I don't remember the name of the band. I don't remember the name of the Rage song, but I know it's the same Rage song that they used in the first film but it's also the same rage song that was covered by the band fronted by the, the lady who peed in that guy's mouth because oh she was God. bored on stage. She was like, ah, oh, there's not much going on right now. I got to pee real bad. Might as well make a show out of it. And then just brought this guy on stage and peed in his mouth. Holy like that was shit. That kind of says everything you need to know about the, film. I mean, that's pretty wild dude. And then he spit the pee on the, audience. Oh my God. that's um. <laughs> got to follow that story. But it's, it's, that's the best piece of trivia from the majors i've found so incredible
0: i love that i am excited uh to share with our listeners that we've got a couple projects lined up one may be something that's Mm -hmm. kind of a well one is kind of a secret because it's a it's a highly conceptual (laughs) idea that that we need to kind of work out We don't want
1: to blow this concept it may be out by now too by the time you hear this yeah we may have we may have hit it May beat this podcast we'll see we're also thinking about
0: a, a top 10 um (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, who knows what might come of that? You know, there are some ideas yeah. floating around.
1: I don't think, I don't think there's, I know some people in the past have, has suggested that we give the Matrix films like the Jedi Party treatment. I don't know if that's possible. I think I think I don't want there's to just, anymore after this. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm done with the Matrix. I feel like we, I, I, I said this to you. Uh, I was like, we got, if we're going to do any Matrix projects, we should probably do them ASAP because I feel like this conversation yeah. is going to die. Like it's, there's this film didn't do enough to this thing's of, burning off pretty quick. Even, even as divisive as it is, it's not divisive enough to keep it. The conversation going, people are just gonna be like, ah, eh, you know what? I really don't care that much about this film. It kind of sucked. I'm not going to die on either right. hill. You know, um, I'm probably never going to watch it again. Uh, I'm a glutton was, for punishment. You know, me. I did the same long.
0: thing with a phantom menace after yeah, you'll, it came you'll out. put it on. I was like, I'm going to yeah. watch this a lot. You'll
1: put it on and just kind of <laughs> kick it in the background. Yeah. You'll, you'll fall asleep to it. Which you did. That's, that's the one thing I was uh, hinting at earlier when I said you had an interesting theater experience. (laughs) So tell us about walk us through the first time you saw this film, you went to the theater and go.
0: So there's no, there's no real story here, except to say that I actually fell asleep (laughs) during the film and I don't do that. I don't fall asleep during movies, especially not a, a, a blockbuster film.
1: Maybe theaters have just gotten too cozy. Was it one of those like recliner seats? No, it, seat it was, but theaters? I was
0: I was so psyched for the film. Yeah. I couldn't even believe that I I I noticed it was happening too. I'm like, "Damn, I'm getting drowsy." Yeah. Uh, and I that actually, hard
1: fight you get when you're like falling asleep against your will.
0: I just eventually let go. I think I lost maybe 5 minutes. You know, it was yeah. it was short, but but then I discovered that there were <laughs> There's basically like this online community of people who have all like fallen asleep during
1: <laughs> Wow. You guys all got during
0: the movie? They're all like the Matrix resurrections kind of put me to sleep. And That's it's some, like there, there are MK enough Ultra people shit. that it seems bizarre, you know, yeah. that maybe maybe you know, there's some other use for this film. There's like a sleep aid of some kind
1: or there's, yeah, it's an experiment. There's like a, a sonic and visual combination. <laughs> that's like the Brown note, but it's like the, the sleep note, the, knocks the matrix you out. note, the matrix note, play the matrix. On Maybe it was line. that
0: sweet, uh, corporate music that they played on the way to the dojo. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That cool piano music. It sounded like the, the tune that we had, uh, from episode six where Vader's, uh, sorry, episode three where Vader's being, cranked up, you know, to oh, talk to yeah, the about about
1: yeah. his future at that super corporate motive- motivational corporate music, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was really strange. Um the score is a mixed bag, that's At for least they sure.
1: didn't have any of that weird Juno reactor shit that they brought in for Reloaded.
0: Oh yeah, that was that was not the best. That felt ever. so
1: cheap. That that music well, I think that uh, was like
0: Don Don Davis doing techno. Well, he is, he
1: did a collaboration with that artist Juno React. Oh, with
0: Juno React, yeah, it was right, kind right, of right. yeah
1: like a Hans Zimmer Junkie XL style. Yeah, pairing.
0: I don't really love that. I I, I would I, I'm sort of a fan of like use the use the track by the artist or go with yeah. score. Right. I find that sometimes the disciplines on either side are not a good match. You right. know, and they end up doing something that's kind of like not quite sincere enough on either side of right. the of the craft if that makes sense
1: Man, that machine noise and i apologize if that comes through but they really cranked it up out there again oh I don't boy you could hear that well, we
0: can start uh, to close things down here
1: yeah well i, I, I will I say like that to do... just to
0: be oh sorry go ahead
1: oh yeah you hit it real quick i'm gonna i was gonna
0: say just real fast just to to end with something on a positive note <laughs> if we're heading well, towards that, an ending here that's i was, what I was gonna, gonna say do. yeah that, i was gonna say that i did actually like a lot of the score yeah. um there were a couple parts that struck me, a couple of themes that I really enjoyed that uh, sounded to me like they're based in a more classical music tradition. Um, yeah. There were a couple of straight, you know, what sounded to me, a maybe early 20th century, uh, you know, classical. Yeah. Um, and then other pieces that sounded more uh, Baroque in their uh, harmonies. And, and it was interesting to me. I did, I did like parts of the soundtrack. Other parts I thought were very strange. Like there was a weird yeah. piano theme for Smith. That was weird. Like this strange, like little piano jingle.
1: <laughs> Maybe I do got to watch again and just pick up these little things too. Cause I don't remember his, his theme or whatever that was.
0: Yeah. That was weird. But, but the couple parts, um, we, I could share, you know, when we both get to editing mm, this, uh mm-hmm. I can insert a couple of the themes, um, yeah. that, that I thought were pretty Do that. Pretty, then we'll come back and cool. I'll be
1: like, yeah, that was great. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll record let's do, it do that I now. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah see, I get that's, it. I totally there it is. That was one. Those yeah. two, th-
0: those two themes in Damn. particular. Uh,
1: that is very <laughs> exactly what you said. It was, <laughs> That's funny. We actually were on the same page. I was going to like, let's end by just saying three things each that we liked about the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you you like the score. I, I did like the
0: score, and I did I did find some of the imagery and some of the, I did get a sense that there was something sort of uh, a dark melancholy about Neo's journey that did that did strike me emotionally, mm-hmm. and I did I did have still some connection to Neo and Trinity. There was something really ho- horrible about the idea that we just have to jump off this building and end it. That's really yeah. that's really uh, uh, horrible dark place to, to, yeah, to go. And even though that, that did strike me, but, but I think for like not all the right reasons, like, yeah, I think no, I just... it's
1: dark reasons that like, it's okay to just like, if you want to just end it all, um, sometimes that's the only way out, you know, and that's something that they can't, they arrived at on their own, despite the fact that they flew, they didn't expect to, they just, right. they, they made the conscious decision to like, just, End it. End it together. And that's,
0: that's terribly that's sad. Very
1: dark. Yeah.
0: You know, and that, that, um, that, that did get me. Um,
1: maybe they're trying to like subvert red pill culture and be like, no, that's the real way you, Oh you Jesus the Christ. system. You jump off a building <laughs> for real freedom. Maybe Lannis is going for just, Oh a, boy. A, a dip in numbers <laughs> from the toxic side of the, uh, the fan base. <laughs> Um,
0: oh, and, and one one more thing I will say that I do still sometimes ping pong a bit on this sort of overall bold approach, you know, with the meta commentary and right. what she was, uh, you know, trying to, to say and do there. But I end up falling, I end up falling kind of on the other side. Like yeah. I, I do, I can say that I appreciate it, but maybe she didn't stick the landing.
1: Yeah. I had an interesting, like I said, back and forth on how I felt about it. And at first I was like, there's a lot of buildup. Now it feels like the film is all buildup. And I was like, okay, we're pretty deep into this and we haven't really fought anybody yet. We haven't really seen, we saw some like fights, but they were just rehashes uh, medic. They were meta rehashes of things we've already done before. And at a certain point I accepted it. And I became okay with the idea that this whole movie was going to be meta commentary about mental health and uh, the perception of reality. Yeah. And then halfway through the film, it turned and it became more of a, it went back and it became more of a traditional matrix thing. And that's, I think that's why it lost me because I had, they spent so much time establishing this uh, questionable reality and like what was actually going on that I, at that point, it was like too far gone. It was like I needed at that point either more Matrix shit earlier than that or no Matrix shit at, by that point because I took a break. I had like, let me, I was like, I really gotta go to the bathroom. I was like, I don't wanna wait. I, w- I wanna wait till the movie's over. And then I was like, let me just pause it. And I realized that I wasn't, we weren't even halfway through the movie yet. I was like, oh my God. I was like, <laughs> that was a full length movie that I just watched. I'm absolutely gonna take a bathroom break. Like, that's. And at this point, he still hadn't, I don't think, made contact with anybody outside the Matrix or even right. established whether or not what he was experiencing was uh, a, a mental breakdown and hallucination or the Matrix trying to push through to his world. I don't know. I, I guess I, I was down for that film. At that point, at that runtime, I was like, let's just fuck it. Let's make a whole movie about... Uh, distortion of reality and mental health. Like I'm, I'm interested enough in this, that would have been this this old Keanu Reeves and they just, they fucked it up. Like, I think they, they, they tried to have both and they just didn't stick the landing on either of them. Yeah. Um, What I did like though, and this came up in the the discord chat about lighting. Some people were disappointed that they kind of bucked the stylized color treatments. Mm. of the older films. And I actually liked that they didn't. And I, on a a podcast we had done in the past, I was, I listed the the color palette as almost like a negative. I was like, the the world of the matrix felt too artificial to me where I never felt a suspension of disbelief in the non, in the matrix world. It's like, it never felt like a real world to me. So it was never a question of reality. I was like, Oh, it's yeah. It always looks like an artificial reality. And whenever they're in it, it doesn't feel like they're, exerting powers in a space that I might exist in. It just feels like they're in a separate system that I have no context for. This one felt more like a question because it was treated more like a real world. It looked like San Francisco. It didn't look like mega city one, you know, generic urban landscape. It was like very clearly San Francisco. And that to me helped blur that line between what was real and what wasn't for me, like to the point where I was actually questioning, like, holy shit was the matrix of a a delusion of this sad aging loner. You know, like that's, that became entirely possible for me almost entirely because of the style of the presentation of the city, you know, of the world that he lived in. Um, so I did like that. I I like that. It was clearly a, a intentional choice and it worked. It looked great. Um, And it was, it seemed like overall, like a beautiful film. Like I, I liked the way the film looked until they left the matrix, (laughs) that old Zion shit. It was just so like, I didn't buy Jada Pinkett Smith with the old makeup. on. I hate, we didn't even makeup, talk. We didn't even talk dead. about that. But that was just there. so. Yeah. There was a
0: whole city there that didn't even feel lived in at all. All the scenes no. took place on one balcony. Like what a bizarre. They got to the city, then they just they escaped from the city, yeah. and that was that. And Jada pickett Smith any, was was a weird character. She's like got she's mad at Neo, hater. and it's like you got yeah. mad at the guy who brokered the the, the, the peace that now has allowed mm-hmm. this world to. Like it's so it's so strange. I didn't even.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they were trying to say with with the. The way of life there because then they had this other message where it's like, no, we work with machines. Like some of those machines broke free and chose to live with us. And now we grow strawberries. And it's like, well, that point was made in the third film that the counselor, the chancellor, whoever talked to Neo about the symbiotic relationship between machines Like we hate machines, but we need them to live. Like they purify our water. So they had already walked over that on that ground we didn't need to do it again yeah and so they didn't really bring anything new to the table with this post Zion new world you know you know what I
0: said to Donnie when, when, during that scene with the strawberries I, I thought of something I was like you know in the first Matrix movie <laughs> strawberries in the first film they're eating this slop you know they're doing this thing and I'm like Cypher is you know goes into the Matrix and he's like you know when I eat this steak I feel it and it's juicy and delicious whatever yeah. why don't they have like a a strawberry program. Like why yeah. don't people go into why the? To major- their own
1: steaks? Yeah. Why don't
0: they go in and eat food, you know, in a virtual space?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like
0: you're, you're still getting all the input, right? You're still yeah. telling you, are going to enjoy a state. The system yeah. is still telling your brain that it's juicy and delicious. Right? Like, it's funny that they're still, there was this idea like growing strawberries in the real world was still like an important thing when they right. still have access to this like fully realized virtual world that completely fools your brain Yeah, in every sense. You all the strawberries you want. It's like, yeah. Like why not just eat it? You know, have somebody like shoveling some shit into your mouth while you're, you know, for those who love Eating to eat steak. shit. Yeah. For those you know, who love it. Just, 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 you yeah, know, have a tube, you know, hook like yourself up to the, to the machine that does the proteins. corns. you
1: know, the protein yeah, the, batch. Yeah. The, the mashed corn, uh, <laughs> creamed corn is what that shit looked like.
0: Yeah. And then like sit in the matrix, and eat fucking creamed strawberries corn. for the the rest of the day. Whoever I, decided
1: I creamed corn was a dish that deserved a place at the table was insane. <laughs> that must've been a joke. It was the matrix resurrections of food. Like here's a palatable <laughs> crowd pleaser that you're sure to love it <laughs> looks and tastes like it feels like puke what are you talking about <laughs> cream corn cream corn i mean that's absolutely what they used on set to feed them right that's all that was yeah. like protein paste but it was just cream corn
0: yeah Everything let's take corn which is
1: awesome off the from the source like you eat corn on the cob man <laughs> you cook it just right there's almost there's not much that could beat corn on the cob Mm-mm. prepared to, to maximum effect, but didn't I you, love corn you on the shuck cat. it and cream it and then decide <laughs> that it's somehow better? Fuck you, inventor of cream corn. <laughs> cream corn is that the, the, yeah. the way I know that we don't live in the Matrix because no machine would it's come up proof. with cream corn. Yeah, only yep. humans would just turd something up that badly. Anyway... <laughs> Man, maybe on that, on that note, note. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Yeah, uh, let's I guess wrap we it up. we
0: have to go and actually work on uh more more yeah, stuff. We're
1: gonna, we're gonna do a session now.
0: Yep, we're gonna enter a session now, and uh, uh, we're gonna keep content rolling. We're gonna break out a couple things from episode seven, um, in their own ways onto the channel while we continue to. uh yeah. We're feeling really psyched and really motivated right now to just keep the content rolling yeah. hard and and keeping episode eight going. Um, you know, we have no intention of pushing that pushing that back we're just gonna jump right into production on it so we're we're definitely feeling uh boosted and stoked and uh thanks you know to everybody who's been rallying you know rallied for us while we got got seven up and out that was a long process but uh a lot of people were really cool about the, the sort of silence that we had going. Yeah, on Yeah, I
1: appreciate and, that. You know, I, sometimes people will come in and be like, yeah. "How does this channel not have millions of subscribers?" And it's like I know why because we don't we don't play into the algorithm mm. the correct way. We don't post the, the amount that we should. We don't like engage the amount that we should. We don't follow the best practices. So that's very obvious to me why we don't have millions of views. But we have. I, I I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. We've got we've got the quality views. We have people that are they're supportive in a way that's like understanding of the, of how we work and sometimes we don't always turn shit around quickly but we try to make it worth it and they feel like at least for the time being that it is worth it and that's hell they, yeah they, they stick with us and make these things possible so appreciate it hells yeah. yes yeah that's it so I guess we'll wrap yeah, this man. up uh, let's wrap yeah. it if you're a patron go check out the last few posts uh, there's some music there for you. There's uh, the the archive live stream there for you if you're into that kind of thing. Go watch episode seven. If somehow you've discovered this podcast episode before YouTube decided to recommend the video to you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit stop. Cool. See you later, everybody. Okay.
0: See you bye. later, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye.